Hey there, launchers. Welcome back. I'm going to come out and lay down a truth that may feel uncomfortable to hear. Your launch is only as strong as your audience, and your audience gets pumped up and ready for your offer through the pre-launch period, which is why today I'm so thrilled to be chatting with Ash Chow, a fellow copywriter who writes all things launches and specifically loves talking about the pre-launch period. So if you're thinking about launching soon, you'll want to tune into this episode. You're listening to the Launch Playbook Podcast, the weekly podcast for service-based business owners to discover the starts, stops, and tools of transformation that go into launching their online offers. I'm your host, Sarah Vartanian, and if you want to launch your ideas into the world faster with more success and less burnout, well, friend, consider this show your secret playbook to get you there. Hey, Ash, Welcome. Hey, Sarah. Thanks so much for inviting me on. I'm so excited. After seeing your talk within the Copywriter Club, I've been wanting to chat with you further about this pre-launch period because you gave such a good, like it was like that short Facebook Live you had done with Robin Kira. And I knew that I just needed to like have a further conversation with you about this, which is why I'm so glad you're here with us today. Thanks so much. I'm super honored. That was like one of my first Facebook lives ever. So I was really nervous for that, but I'm glad that it was invaluable and it's led to super cool opportunities like this one. That's amazing. Well, I couldn't tell you were nervous. (laughs) You knew your stuff. It was, it it was so comfortable to like watch and, and so valuable. I was taking notes. So really, and I know I'll be taking more today. I think that's always one of the best parts about these interviews, to be honest, especially with like when I'm talking to other fellow copywriters, I'm always like, oh yeah, like I'm going to add this to like what I'm doing now. (laughs) I'm going to work this into what I'm doing with clients. I don't know if you find this thing way when you're listening or talking to other copywriters too, but it's one of my, it's always one of my favorite interviews. Yeah, 100%. Okay. So will you go ahead and give us a little intro about you and tell us how you got started? Yeah, awesome. So I'm Ash Chow and I am a launch strategist and copywriter for online entrepreneurs who want to sell their digital products on repeat and leave the world a better place than they found it. I'm super grateful that a lot of my clients, like they want to, they obviously like, yes, want to make money because that's what a business is all about, but they also are doing it for a bigger purpose of like wanting to genuinely uh, like help other people and make a bigger impact. And like I said, like just leave the world a better place than they found it. And I think like most copywriters, I didn't intend to become a copywriter. Like I had no idea this job even existed. So I discovered it around 2018 when I was in the middle of law school. It was super funny because like I'd worked, I'd worked pretty much all of my teenage years just to get into law school. And then I got there and I was like, this is not it. Like, (laughs) this is not what I want to do with the rest of my life. So I think I did what, like I said, most copywriters do, which is just start Start a cringy blog pretty much about like my quarter life crisis and how I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life and all of my feelings and stories. And for some people, for some reason, like people really wanted to read that. And then along the way, someone even reached out asking if they could pay me to write for them. And so that was how I discovered copywriting was a thing. And that's how I got started. And along the way, I eventually fell in love with launch copywriting and writing sales pages and doing all of the things. And so that's where we are today. Amazing. I love how you say about like you were writing this cringy blog, you call it, <laughs> um, and that someone found you and like a client. And I, it really makes me think that it like really proves that that pre-launch period works. Cause I know maybe you weren't launching 
officially like pre-launching officially then or anything but the fact is like that warm-up content like that content you were putting out there brought someone in yeah yeah that's a really great point i was talking about this with someone else as well that it's like even though you know you may put something out there right like your first blog post or your first podcast episode or whatever and then you hear like crickets like you're not obviously getting a million likes on it or anything and you're like is it does anyone even care but it all goes towards that bigger picture of like your potential audience might be like scrolling, lurking, checking you out and everything, every piece of content that they read or every sort of like touch point they have with you. It's all going towards that like no like and trust factor. And it's kind of like it, it, that all comes together to eventually help them make a decision to want to work with you or to buy from you. So all of that to say, like, even if you're putting, you're creating content and you're like, nobody cares, just take heart because it's all going towards like the bigger picture. Like someone will be reading and someone like will want to work with you as a result of all of these pieces that you're putting out. For sure. I found I had a similar experience actually when I got started too, is that I had a blog. It was uh, a green mom's blog. So all around like green living and like eco-friendly choices, cloth diapers, all sorts of stuff like that. And I was putting that out week after week and I was running like the very early days of Instagram. I was on there like posting things around that. And that's also how I got my first clients is they were like, hey, you're writing like these blogs all the time. You're writing social posts all the time. Like maybe you can do that for me too. And so I think like, as you're saying, like people are paying attention, even if we don't always know. And sometimes I think they're thinking like, oh, they, they're doing that for themselves. Maybe they could do that for me. For when sure. they reach out. So I'm really, yeah, I'm, I just think it's such a good testament to like that pre-launch period and that showing up. So Ash, let's get everyone listening on the same page. What exactly is a pre-launch period? Yeah, great question. So when I refer to the pre-launch period or like the pre-launch runway, as most people call it, that's referring to that length of time before you open your cart to your digital product and let people buy. So it's that like lead up stage and it really varies from like the time varies depending on how long you want to spend there. But it's pretty much just that period of time before people can start buying your product. And then when I talk about pre-launch content, that's referring to like the like the emails, the social posts, the podcast episodes, whatever that you drop during that time before you open the doors to your digital product. Also, like I think when people think about launching a product, they think that the cart open day is day one of your launch, like which, which it is, but they think like that is the only time you should talk about the product, like when, when the card is open. But what you should really be doing is spending all of that time in the lead up, priming your audience and getting them ready to see the value of the offer so that once your card is open, they'll already be ready to buy. Okay. So it sounds like you're saying like one of the big goals of the pre-launch period is to get people primed ready to buy and you're saying maybe like is it teasing the offer as well a little bit then yeah so it's all about ultimately getting your ideal customers or your prospects to be in this right state of mind to invest in your product and when I say like right state I mean like they they can really see the value of your digital product and why they might need something like it so like let's use an an example so like let's say you want to create a digital product or a course on how to market your service-based business on TikTok. But like a lot of your audience are super skeptical about the platform. Okay. They might say things like, or they might believe things like, okay, like TikTok is really only for 
dancing teenagers or TikTok is only good for product-based businesses. It's not really a platform for service-based businesses or like people only go there for entertainment, not business. And so a lot of these statements are like the beliefs that your audience hold about TikTok. So I just want you to imagine that if you were to launch your course about TikTok like tomorrow, a large chunk of your audience are probably going to see your announcement and they may immediately like discount it. They might they might just be like, oh, look, but like TikTok's for dancing teenagers, so no thanks. Or like TikTok, I'm a service-based business and it's only good for product-based businesses, so no thank you. So they may not even click on your sales page because they've already convinced themselves it's not for them, right? And like, Sarah, I know like as copywriters, you and I are focused on creating a killer sales page that is going to overcome all of those objections and obviously convince people that like, yes, TikTok is a great platform, but like, What's the point of writing a killer sales page if your audience doesn't even click on it in the first place, right? Really, the goal of that pre-launch phase is all about identifying your prospect's current beliefs and objections and then creating the content that's going to shift those beliefs and get them to a point where they can see why they need an offer like yours and the value of it. And the way that we shift those beliefs is, like I said, through the content itself. So if you want to think of like your social posts or your emails as like the vehicle that's going to guide them from where they are right now, which is maybe like a little bit hesitant and doubtful and guide them towards the point where you want them to be, which is like, oh, they see your digital product as like a a no brainer or like as the solution to their problems. So how can people figure out what those beliefs people are holding around their topic? Yeah, yeah, super great question. And I feel like the best, best way to do that is through research, which is like, I think every copywriter's favorite sort of phase, just because it gives us so much data and insight about your audience. So ideally, you'd be doing your research when you're, even when you're in the ideating, ideation stage of your digital product, then definitely before you write copy. But I like to send a survey to my clients' email lists or ask questions on their social media just to figure out what the audience is currently thinking, believing and feeling about like the industry or towards the topic of the digital product. So, for example, some of my favorite questions I like to ask are like, what challenges do you face when it comes to your topic. So for example, like what challenges do you face when it comes to showing up consistently on TikTok or like what challenges do you face when it comes to marketing on LinkedIn? And then I like to ask what's stopping you from getting started? So like why haven't you used this platform before or what's stopping you from starting your own podcast? And then one of my favorite questions is like what hesitations do you have around this topic? So like what hesitations do you have around marketing your business on TikTok. Or you can even straight up ask like, what hesitations do you have around investing in a course or digital product, podcasting or whatever it is? And the data that you usually get from these answers are typically really rich and it'll tell you so much about like the barriers that are getting in people's ways, the objections that they have, how your audience is sort of like justifying their decisions to themselves and all of that. And usually what's funny is when I create the surveys to my clients and they obviously have a look at the data, you already intuitively know just from the responses what sort of content to create, right? So for example, one of my clients, she created a course about natural dyeing, which is where you like, where you extract colors from like plants and things like that and use it to tie dye clothes. 
And a lot of the responses from her survey were saying things like, oh, like the equipment to do it is just so expensive. And then my client was like ranting to me on a call. She was like, it's not expensive at all. Like all you really need is like old pots and pans and an old t-shirt and you can probably get everything you need for as little as under $20. And I was like, great, make that a social post. Like that's your pre-launch content, right? Amazing. So from all that information, listening to our, you know, our would-be clients, we can glean, you're saying like what to talk about and what kind of post to create. Yeah, exactly. Because your audience is like, your audience are telling you how they think and they feel. And it may not necessarily, like you are the expert, like you know different. So for example, like they were saying, oh, it's too expensive to do all of these things. But based on my client's experience, having done it, she was like, it doesn't have to be. And so that was like what she wanted. Like that was the belief that she wanted to shift. She wanted to tell them like, no, it doesn't have to cost you an arm and a leg to do this. Like you can, you can get these materials for free or you can go to the local op shop. So it's all about like, I guess, addressing those misconceptions or those beliefs and persuading them to see, see it from your point of view. And what type of role would like engagement content have in the pre-launch runway so like in, like content that's about maybe like it's about us you know you see all those posts are like hi i'm ash or hi i'm sarah and this is what i do or like is there a place for that in the pre-launch runway as well so when you say engagement posts, like you definitely want your audience to get to know like and trust you as a human as well like you want them to want to learn from you and not necessarily any other course creator who's selling the same thing. And then in terms of engagement as well, like I like to get my clients to do not always educational, but also more like fun stuff. Like if we're talking social media in particular, like on stories, I've gotten to, I've gotten them to do like polls before or even little quizzes that are like semi adjacent to their digital course topic just to get their audience used to, like you said, engaging with their content. And so their stuff appears at the top of their feed for them because you like the people who engage the most are usually a bit more receptive to your content and what you have to say and they're a little bit further along the customer journey spectrum so engagement engagement posts do play a big role as well ultimately because you want you want your audience to connect with you specifically and like you and not necessarily anyone else and it sounds like getting them used to taking a little bit of like action with the things that we're putting out there and like responding to something or like hitting yes on a poll or all those things like gets them yes. sort of used to prime to like click open that sales page, maybe be open to reading it. Yeah, exactly. It's all about as well, like lowering as much resistance as you can, because as, as you know, like we all carry a certain amount of like bias resistance, even when we're engaging with someone new or even like you said, going onto a sales page. But if we can get them used to doing those like mini actions, like what you said, like clicking yes on a poll or moving, like responding to a story, things like that is going to prime them to want to take the bigger actions later on, like clicking on the link in bio or buying your course. So yeah. Amazing. Can we repurpose any content that we've created that already exists for this runway? Yes, I'm a huge fan of repurposing content because you, you want to be working smarter, not harder. And it's so funny. I was talking to another copywriter who was launching a digital product and we obviously like write this sort of content for a living. But she was saying like, man, like she, like she was launching her own digital product and she was like, I forgot just how much there actually is to do. Like you have to create your own digital product and then you got to do all of the emails and the sales page and the like all the social assets. Like there's a lot of writing. So 
in order to like not burn out, yeah, I'm a huge believer in repurposing content. So if you write like, if you have a previous email or a blog post or an educational blog post that did really well, you can take parts of that and repurpose that into like your socials, your emails. Like if you have existing YouTube videos and things like that, just take the transcript or get that like transcribed and then, yeah, repurpose that into yeah, an email, a social post, etc. I'm always resharing my clients' origin stories, for example. So like how they, like their experience going through the challenge and how they made it through to the other side, because I think it's number one, just good for your audience to hear messages multiple times to reinforce like the beliefs that you want. And also so that to create that connection between you and the audience. And as we know, like people really love stories so that's why the origin story is like a really great one to reshare over and over again what role would you say that paid traffic plays in this yeah so i think paid traffic is really good for building up your email list so that's the experience i've had with it with paid traffic so some of my clients have seen great success in leveraging paid Facebook ads for their pre-launch content so they'll create like a freebie like a lead magnet and then they'll use Facebook ads to drive traffic to that lead magnet in order to build up their email list. And then that way, when they're ready to launch, they will have like a healthy list full of engaged subscribers. So what we do is like we'll have the paid Facebook ad that will lead to the lead magnet and so people will opt into that. And then they'll go through a welcome sequence, which is where I'll put in a lot of those pre-launch topics to really nurture those subscribers, defeat their objections and prime them so that once she's ready to launch, they'll already be yeah, ready to go. They can see the value of a product, et cetera. So that's how I've, all my clients have personally leveraged paid traffic. Great. Thanks for like walking us through that. Now, earlier you mentioned that this pre-launch runway is the phase before your launch. So like before you officially open cart, is there an ideal length of time for this phase? Yeah. So this is like a really nuanced question. I think like, and this is something I'm also constantly experimenting and testing. And the answer is like, it depends, which I know is not like the straightforward response we all want to hear. But for example, I know like with some of the biggest, the bigger course creators, you can, you, you, you'll notice that they'll start seeding their pre-launch content way in advance. Like sometimes like 90 days or 60 days, you'll see like they'll have some sort of new lead magnet. Or if you listen to their podcast, they'll start to, yeah, they'll start promoting their lead magnets in their ads. And you, you already, you can sort of guess, okay, they're going to be launching something soon, right? Yeah. I was an Amy Porterfield DCA affiliate the other year and it started like in July. Yeah. And, and she doesn't actually open the cart until early September. So it was quite interesting to see such a long pre-launch runway from one of those like bigger players and like really just how much went into that phase. Yeah. Amy Porterfield is exactly who I was thinking about when I said <laughs> that. Like she, she's like obviously queen of lead magnets and list building. But every, when I listen to a podcast episode and I know she's like dropped a new one, I'm like, yeah, like she's, she's gearing up, but fair enough. Cause that's her, her shtick and she has like the capacity. To, to do that, right? Yeah. And I think so if you want to do like the whole, again, lead magnet and build up your email list, like build up a healthy enough email list so you can convert an average amount of them, then you'd want to start a lot earlier. I think it, the length of your one runway can also depend on like your audience and how much they need to be educated on your digital product. So for example, if your digital product is something that is like really new to them, they may need more time and content 
to warm up and understand your offer. So for example, I was chatting with this guy and he, he'd created like this AI software for podcasting where I think the idea is you can like submit your podcast to this AI and it like measures the, the tone and the content and then it like suggests the best brands for you to collaborate with or something like that. Like I'm not sure if it's in the market yet, but anyway. We were talking about that and he wanted to know some pre-launch ideas. And I was like, well, that sounds, it sounds really new to your particular audience in your market. So your pre-launch, like you may need to spend a bit more time educating and warming up the audience so they understand like why an AI like this is necessary, like the benefits of measuring tone and voice for the right sponsors and things like that. Whereas if your market is fairly saturated and your audience is used to seeing courses of a similar nature, like say Instagram and podcasting course, like we we know why those exist, but there's tons of them around, you'll likely need, I guess, like less. So for me, rule of thumb, I get my clients to start intentionally ramping up their pre-launch content at least 30 days out from their cart open day because I find like this is just enough time to warm up their audience but also like a manageable amount of content to create. Okay so is there ever a time where you'd say we could almost bypass most of the pre-launch period? So because you're you're, so I, I hear what you're saying that if it's a newer product or it's something like really new, your audience doesn't know, we need to give them more time to sort of, let's say, wrap their heads around it and mm. start thinking of these new ideas. But if they're, if it's more, you're saying saturated, like an Instagram course, there's less of that sort of like pre-work and shifting belief we have to do. But is there ever a time that we could do like a really short pre-launch phase, like even like a week? Like let's say someone just wants to try something and test it. Or do you think we always need to build in the pre-launch phase no matter what? Yeah, that's a great question and something I also want to test as well. I think a, a short one would be you can do a short one if it's if you only have like the one main offer and that's what you're known for. I can't think of an example off the top of my head right now, but like if you only provide like one service or you're only selling like you're known for selling this one digital product and all of your content is geared towards promoting that product then Mm -hmm. you probably don't need as much time because people know you for that particular thing so you've kind of already been doing that let's say pretty much running all the time anyway is that pretty much it yeah Yeah. exactly yeah and in saying that like i also want to mention like if you if you're like crap i want to launch next week well i only have two weeks ago or i literally have like no time like i think some or any pre-launch content is better than none so like if you're already two weeks out from your intended launch day i think like even just doing like one or two social media posts or one email in advance will still go a long way in warming up your audience. So don't think like, okay, I definitely have to create 30 days worth. Like that's just like to give you some flexibility and leeway. Like if you only have a short amount of time, just create like one or two and it will still like your audience will still benefit from that. Right. But it really goes back to to like audience building, right? Like our launch is as strong as our audience is, right? So that the more ready they are, the more audience we have, the better our launch generally is. Yeah, 100%. And I think also if you, it also depends like where your audience is at in terms of the stages of awareness as well. So I haven't really spoke, touched much on that. But if you look at the data and you can tell they are, for example, like they're already problem aware or they're already solution aware and all they need to know is just the specific details about your offer, then you may not necessarily need to spend as much time 
in the pre-launch either. So it also depends on your audience, which is why I said like it's a very nuanced mm, discussion. Is, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for being willing to give us some examples. And I think the one around the AI really helps point paint the picture of like, do they do they know about this already versus that Instagram course? Okay, so we're all about the step by step here. So could you walk us through a few of those essential pieces of a successful pre-launch runway? Yeah, so I'm all about creating strategic content and making sure like you're not just creating fluff or creating content for content's sake. So I feel like the essential like when we're talking about what we need to do to make a successful pre-launch period to help remind me or like to act as a guide, I've created like this power framework to help us know exactly what our content should be doing. So we're always creating something like strategic, right? So for a successful pre-launch, the essential pieces there, like your content needs to prime your audience. It needs to overcome objections. It needs to walk through the why behind your offer. It needs to establish your expertise and authority. And it needs to reshift beliefs. So those are the five key things that will really make your pre-launch a success and really guide your audience to see the value of your offer and make them ready to buy on at least day one of your launch. So if we take it back to priming your audience, so like we were saying before, you don't want to really blindside them by being like, okay, here's my offer, please buy. Like you need to prepare them in advance. And the way you do that is to like start talking about topics relevant to your offer, like starts creating that intrigue as well and curiosity by dropping hints that, you know, something is going to be launching soon and then potentially like sharing like what the solution to their challenges are, but not necessarily like how to achieve it. And I think a key part of priming as well is like if you haven't been talking to your audience consistently, like showing up in your emails or socials, like which is fine. But if you haven't been doing that, now is the time to introduce that consistency back so your audience are used to hearing from you. Because like you don't really want to be that person who says nothing for three quarters of the year, only to spam people's inbox when you have something to sell. And then like overcoming objections is like we were saying before, overcoming, like your audience might have a lot of misconceptions or believe certain things about your industry that might potentially deter them from your offer. So things like, oh, it's too expensive to buy the equipment for this, or like, I don't have enough time to do something like this. So your pre-launch content really needs to show them how and why these things aren't necessarily a barrier. So showing them like it doesn't have to be expensive to buy the equipment or like it doesn't have to take up a lot of time. Then a key one is really like walking through the why behind your offer. Because like your your audience is always going to be asking things like, okay, like why do I need something like this? And because there are a lot of digital products competing for your audience's attention, The best way to really stand out is to help your audience understand the purpose behind your offer. So like, why did you create a digital product like this? What gap are you specifically trying to fill? And like, why will your product work when other solutions haven't before? So if your audience can understand like the purpose behind your offer, that this will increase their connection to like to you and make them more likely to want to buy it. Then you really want to establish your expertise and authority. So really asking like, what qualifies me to teach on this topic? Because your audience, like we all want to learn from experts and we want to know that what you're teaching is going to work for us. 
So we want to know that you have an intimate understanding of our challenges and that you are the best guide for the journey. So this is where you'd share a lot of like your past results, any anything that really helps build up your credibility. And then lastly, it's you really want to be reshifting those beliefs. So really addressing any misconceptions or points of view that your audience has about your industry or topic and then like persuading them through your content to see that like a different perspective or a different point of view exists. So those are the five things that really make up a successful pre-launch strategy. Oh my gosh, Ash, thank you so much for walking through that. I hope you were taking notes. I know I was jotting things down and I'm definitely going to go back and re-listen to that whole step-by-step you took us through because there are so many golden nuggets in there to help plan. (laughs) Thank you. Are there any certain channels that you think in general people should be focusing on or that's probably pretty nuanced as well too, but anything that you have seen, let's say, work really well? Yeah. So I think with this one, it's whichever channels make sense for you and your audience. So obviously, like we want to be showing up in places that our audience is showing up at. Like there's no point going on LinkedIn if your audience doesn't want to be on there or you don't really have a platform on there. And also ones that you enjoy showing up as well. So like if you, like I personally prefer Instagram over any other platform. So that's where I show up most. But I think what works really well is we both know is email, which is why building up your email list is so important. And so my clients have seen really great results with, yeah, creating a lead magnet and promoting that lead magnet on socials, which they then use to get as many people as possible onto their email list. And then within their email list, they'll also have like a separate segment, which they call like their wait list. And what's worked really well is offering some sort of incentive to get onto that wait list. So things like if you get on the wait list, you'll get like an early bird discount code or like you'll get first div like if your program has like super limited spots then the incentive is that the wait list means you'll be the first ones to hear about it and secure a spot and things like that so that strategy or that channel has worked super well for a couple of my clients now i really like how you called out using our lead magnet to really boost the audience, get people building up like no one trusts. You're saying that you use the content in that welcome sequence to shift beliefs. And I, and that idea about getting people on the wait list with like some kind of sort of gift or goodie is, is really exciting. And really what I love that you mentioned, something we've talked about before on the podcast here is connecting that lead magnet to the final offer. And you speaking about that, like the, the whole process for that really paints a picture of why it's so important that our lead magnet is really connected to the end result we're looking for. But my question for you is, should that lead magnet be sort of in existence all the time or do we need to create something, let's call new, I'm air quoting here, for the launch, like a new lead magnet for the launch? Yeah, that's a really, really great question. I think like, so you obviously ideally want to be building up your list as much as possible, like throughout the year or every time you can. But I think like, From the research that I suggested you do, when you look at the data, you will probably find or think up new ideas for strategic lead magnet for your launch. So let me, so let me explain what I mean by that. So you want to obviously create a lead magnet that's going to attract the right audience for this specific offer that you're going to launch. Like there's no point just attracting anybody onto your email list if they're ultimately not going to 
be the right fit for your offer and then they're not going to convert. So you want to really create something strategic. So I'll give you like, let's think back to that TikTok example. And we know like, let's say through the research that, so you want to create a course called like how to market your service-based business on TikTok, right? And then from the data, from your survey or whatever, you can see that your audience currently believes that, okay, TikTok is only for product-based business. They, they're like, okay, TikTok, how can you even succeed with the service-based business on there? It's really hard. There are no like good marketing ideas for service-based businesses. So what's the point of even using it? Blah, blah, blah. So they're clearly not going to be great. They're clearly not going to convert super well if you were to launch your course like the next day. So what you want them to do, like you want them to be aware or you want them to believe that TikTok is a great platform for service-based business and that there are heaps of marketing topics they can can use to convert the audience on there into clients. So in order to get them to believe this and overcome other objections, you can create a lead magnet called something like 10 TikTok content ideas to market your service-based business. Again, that could probably just be like a PDF with like a dot point of 10 content ideas. So and it's super basic, but what this does is overcomes that objection that they had, which was TikTok is not for service-based businesses. And now you're like handing them a list of content ideas specific to their business that will get them to be like, oh, hey, these are great ideas. Oh, I can use this to potentially create a TikTok to market like my graphic design services or my copywriting service, da, da, da. Yeah, and then ideally you want them to see and use this lead magnet to start shifting those beliefs and hopefully they use it and get results. And once they see like those results, they're then more likely to want to buy your course about TikTok. So does that make sense on how you can create a strategic lead magnet just based off the data for your pre-launch? So much sense. Thank you so much for walking us through that. I love the examples that you're giving. I know that's so helpful for our listeners. And, and you know, I, I love it too. It's copywriter just like hearing it in a concrete way, like how can this be done? So thank you for that. <laughs> so Ash, are there any signs that we need to look out for when launching? So when we're doing that like post-launch debrief, is there anything that can indicate to us that our pre-launch runway actually needs to be improved for next time? Yeah. So again, I'm always testing this out. I feel like I keep saying that because like launching really is like a big experiment. But I think like one way I discovered that pre-launch strategy was a thing or that it worked was where I looked at the post-launch data for some of my clients and noticed that the best day for their sales was like, day one or day two so early on which is really interesting because I think like you most people would expect that like the last day would be the best sales wise because obviously you have urgency is working in your factor there and people want to get in before the deadline and people just tend to be procrastinators as well which is why they wait to the last minute like me but anyway but I saw like with the data a lot of people were buying in that first day, which meant that like the, my clients were getting super profitable from day one already. They were feeling super happy. Like they didn't, they didn't have that anxiety anymore of like, Oh, are people going to buy? Da, da, da. So, and it makes sense when I thought about it because, because like their audience were already like primed. They could already see the value of the offer in the pre-launch. They had already sold themselves on like, they're like, yes, I need this. I can see how this will solve my problems. I really want it. So then as soon as the cart opens, they were like, cool, it's time to snatch it up. And so they did, which is why I sell like day one was the best sales wise. To be fair, 
a couple of my clients did incentivize this, like I said, by offering early bird bonuses, fast action bonuses, da da da. But at the same time, early bird discounts and fast action bonuses won't work unless the audience is already sold on the offer, which is where that pre-launch comes in. So I would say like if you look at the data and you see that you're really struggling to get sales during those early days, it's probably a sign you need to look at your pre-launch strategy to make sure that you are tackling the right objections and reshifting the right beliefs and all of that. Amazing. Now, Ash, you have a great lead magnet, right? That all the folks listening can sign up for. Will you tell us more about it and where we can find it? And of course, you online. Yes. So I have a free guide for all of you called How to Power Up Your Pre-Launch. And it pretty much covers everything we spoke about today. So don't worry about taking notes. You can just grab my guide and look at it um, the next time you want to create pre-launch content. You can find it at www.ashchow.com. So definitely check me out there. And you can find this particular lead magnet at ashchow.com slash pre-launch. And if you want to connect with me or ask me any questions or catch up, you can find me on Instagram at It's Ash Chow. Thank you, Ash. It was so great to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This was such a fun conversation. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the Launch Playbook podcast. If you want to get weekly launch secrets in your ears, I hope you'll hit subscribe on iTunes. You'll never miss an episode because who knows? It could reveal just a thing you've been looking for to make your next launch a success. And be sure to leave a five-star review on iTunes telling me how this episode inspired your launch plans. Until next time, keep putting your big ideas out into the world. I'm rooting for you.